If you have your Bibles this morning, I'd like to draw your attention back to Luke chapter 6. We are continuing our journey through the Gospel of Luke, investigating uh, Jesus, and we are in the middle of uh, the core message, the main message that Jesus preached. Uh, you may, may have heard it as the Sermon on the Mount um, there, but it is the main message that Jesus had taught. And as we've been looking at this over the past several weeks, we have learned and recognized that what Jesus is dealing with here is really what does it really mean to be a follower of Jesus? Or as we've said over the past three weeks, if you were to ask the question, what is a follower of Jesus? Or what is the disciple? Or to use our terminology dealing with um, our vision statement, what is a grace point? This message is the answer to it uh, of this teaching. And last or two weeks ago, we actually saw Jesus began uh, this message with what is known as the Beatitudes. He had four uh, <clears throat> pros and con statements there, and out of that we learned what the heart attitude of a follower of Jesus is to be. What is our heart attitude? And in that we learned that we are to completely trust God, desire the spiritual things of God, be heartbroken over sin for ourselves and others, and to endure hatred for God's sake, that is the heart attitude of what a follower of Jesus is to be. Now, we always have areas to work in all of these, but, but Jesus says, if you're following me, then this is your heart attitude. And so we moved on last week to see what the core value of a follower of Jesus is to be. And the core value of a, of a genuine follower of Jesus, we called it last week, is godly love. This is a love that is a grace-filled love that is impartial to all, sacrificial to all, and completely uncompromising. So as a follower of Jesus, we have seen that if we're going to say that we have a relationship with God through Jesus, that we are following Jesus, then we're going to have this heart attitude and we are going to have this core value within us. Now, we always have areas of work to do in all of this, but this is the core of who we are. So if you're saying, yes, I believe and accept that Jesus is my Lord and Savior, I am a follower of Jesus, then I am going to have this heart attitude, and I am going to have this core value of godly love, uh, and I'm always going to be improving on it, but that's what I'm going to have, all right? And so Jesus, uh, to kind of get us back into um, the sermon here, Jesus summarized this godly love and this heart attitude in verse 35 of chapter 6. Let's look at that again as we move into what he has for us today. He says, but love your enemies, do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. And so if I can sum that verse up in his conclusion to say this. Now listen very carefully. There is no other time in your life that you are more like your Heavenly Father than when you have this godly love. There is no other time in your life. So we recognize that Jesus said that, it, that Jesus, if you see me, you've seen the Father, right? And we're supposed to live and be like Jesus. No more are you like Jesus and no more are you uh, like your Heavenly Father than when you have this godly 
love, this grace-filled love. Have the right heart attitude and have the godly love that we are supposed to have. And so Jesus now moves into three results of us having the right heart attitude and having this godly love. So we understand that we are to have this heart attitude. We understand that we're to have this love, but it's more to say we have it, we need to show it, don't we? All right, love. You can you can say I love you all all to anybody, right? Which it's a word we can just say it over and over again. But until I act in a loving way towards you, do you have any clue that I love you, right? So uh, you, you know, with with my lovely wife who's sitting here, I could tell her all day long I love you. But until I finally said to her, "Yes, dear. All right, finally, I'll get married to you if you want." Did she know that? <laughs> That's how I remember it, anyways. So, right, until the, act, the action took place and we, we actually uh, got married or, or something similar. Maybe I said those words. I don't know. But anyways, so you see what I'm saying? There has to be action to it. There has to be action that's given. And so Jesus said this in verse number 36. A follower of Jesus with the right heart attitude and a godly love will be merciful even as your Father is merciful. To be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Now, grace and mercy are two sides of the same coin. And so we talked last week about grace being the act of endowing unmerited favor. Giving unmerited favor. That is what godly love is is to treat someone who doesn't deserve to be treated the way that they are, to give them unmerited, unearned favor. Where mercy is uh, for us to um, hold back what they deserve. Mercy is the act of withholding deserved punishment. So you've done something wrong, you deserve punishment as a result of that, but in mercy I hold that back from you. I don't treat you that way. And so what Jesus point here is this, is that we are to be merciful to others, listen now, in the same capacity that our Heavenly Father has been merciful to us. Now, that's a huge statement, because I want you to think about it for a moment. God's grace gave us salvation. When we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, repented of our sin, believed and accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, God said, yes, I accept you. You are now my child. You are in my family. You now have heaven as your home. But mercy said, what you really deserve because of who you are, because you are a sinner and you are sinful, and as a matter of fact, in our flesh, in our, on our very best day, what we deserve is to be thrown in the pit of hell. But God in His mercy has said, if you will receive my Son, not only will I give you heaven, but I will spare you from hell. Grace and mercy. And that is what a genuine follower of Jesus, who has the right heart attitude, and godly love is to do. But what does that look like? How do we do that? And so Jesus now brings us to a verse that uh, statistics have told us that there is a new verse of the Bible that is the most famous verse of the Bible. It used to be John 3.16. Remember, you know John 3, everybody used to know John 3.16. Today, uh, it is Matthew 7.1, or it is now what... Uh, 
Luke 6.37 is. And you'll know it the second I say it. Luke 6.37, first part of it says, Judge not, and you will not be judged. How many of you have ever had anybody say that to you? Right? How many of you ever said, heard someone go, that now, now the Bible says, don't judge. Right? Have, have you heard, heard that? And usually it's a person that's done something that they know that you're not supposed to do. It's a person that doesn't you know, uh, have a relationship with Jesus Christ or the Lord. And they say, now listen, I know you may not agree, but you're not supposed to judge. The Bible says don't judge. Or those of us who are followers of Jesus and we do something wrong, but we don't want to make it right. Oh, don't, don't judge me now. You, you, don't, you can't judge me. right? Because the Bible says don't judge. Question. Is that what Jesus is really saying here? And you go, Pastor, the way you set that up, I know the answer is no, right? <laughs> Let me show you why, all right? That's right. Because, because honestly, can I, can I be honest? Can I tell you? Because I'm the same boat. A lot of you are going, but inside you're going, wait a minute. I thought that was yes. No. Because we all, we all fall into this. Jesus' point here is not saying that we are not to judge. Listen now, Jesus' point is that, you ready? The way that you judge others is the way you will be judged. Okay? And he's not necessarily talking about how God judges us or how, how we'll be judged by the Father. He's really talking about our relationship with one another. You judge a person a certain way, they're going to come back and judge you the exact same way. And it's just natural, it's what we do. Or maybe we've heard it put this way, you reap what you sow right? You judge and others are going to judge. So listen very carefully now. Jesus is not saying don't judge. Rather, what he is saying is that there is a right type of judgment and a wrong type of judgment and the follower of Jesus better know which is which. There's a right type of judgment and a wrong type of judgment. Let me share with you the wrong type of judgment. The wrong type of judgment is censorious, hypocritical, and self-righteous judgment. Censorious is highly critical judgment. To judge someone and to tear them down, to destroy them. Have you ever had anybody or seen anybody, hopefully you haven't experienced this in your life, but someone says, why are you so stupid? Right? Why, why can't you do what's right? You did, you did it all wrong. You're so horrible. Man, I just, they tear people down, right? They judge them and tear them down, right? Um, how about hypocritical? Have any of you ever endured hypocritical judgment? When I wrote this down, I thought immediately, I have this picture as a young child sitting at a table with my grandmother. Now, my grandmother was a godly woman, but she had a horrible habit that she never kicked, and it was smoking. All right, And as a result of that, my grandmother sat at the table with two fingers like this. You know where I'm going? And in between that two fingers was a smoldering cigarette. And she took those two fingers to me as a child and said, Don't you dare smoke. As that little smoke was just kind of puffing, you know, going, right? Don't you dare smoke, right? Or don't do as I do, do as I say, right? Well, now, I never smoked. I don't think that was the reason why, but I never, I never did. But that's hypocritical, right? She's, she's right there doing that, you know, um, and, and waving her fingers there. And then you have uh, the self-righteous, holier-than-thou judgment that especially many of us who claim to be Christians are good at. I can't believe you did. I would never do anything. I can't believe you did. Oh, my God. I just, no, I, I couldn't. Self-righteous judgment, right? 
And so this is the type of judgment that Jesus is saying is wrong, improper judgment. Now, remember, he's preaching to a crowd of people. He's trying to talk mainly to his apostles and disciples. But remember who's here now. The Pharisees are there, and and the crowd is there. And and I think Jesus is kind of speaking to his disciples and apostles, but a little bit over their head because who were the great judges of the day? The Pharisees. And this was the type of judgment that they would use. They would tear people down because they didn't do the law right. They, were, they, would, they would find their loophole around the law, but then they would tear someone else down about that. And they, 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 they were self-righteous. They, they were, oh, man, I'm so godly. So that's the, the judgment of the Pharisees. Or for us today, it's the judgment of the religious legalist. I was on the internet just this last week, and I don't know what brought me to this website. I was checking out a website. It was a church, um, and, I, and I came to this website, uh, and it was of a denomination of a church that was extremely legalistic, and I wanted to just kind of listen to a little bit of a message, and so I got on there, and the very first message I pulled up was an hour and a half sermon on why such and such Christian music group was horrible. And taking an hour, I mean, it was... I, I only got through 30 seconds of it, but it was, it was religious legalism. It was tearing down. It wasn't even scriptural. It was all about uh, tearing. And so we see this in religion. So we tear down in order to build ourselves up. And let me say to you, this is the type of judgment that Jesus says here. We as followers of Jesus are never to have. This is not proper judgment but there is a proper type of judgment as followers of Jesus we are to judge others listen now to the through the lenses of grace and mercy we are to judge through the lenses of grace and mercy which means this first of all let me say this we as followers of Jesus are to judge so it is wrong if, if anybody says to you bible says don't judge that's not what it means we are to judge We are also to judge, we are first to judge, or we can judge others, um, but we are also to judge ourselves with the same type of judgment, and we'll get to that in a moment. But this judging means, listen now, you need to get this, this judging means to determine what is right or wrong according to God's word. And how we react to that judgment is where grace and mercy come in. In other words, maybe you've heard this before, this type of judgment is called discernment. All right, it is, it is judgment. It is a type of judgment. So often when we hear the word judge, we think uh, completely negative. We think of judgment as being negative, but this is really more of a positive type of judgment that we as followers are to have. We are to have discernment. All right. And so when we judge with discernment, that is what is right. So John MacArthur puts discernment this way. He says, in its simplest definition, discernment is nothing more than the ability to decide between truth and error, right and wrong. Discernment is the process of making careful distinctions in our thinking about truth. In other words, the ability to think with discernment is synonymous with an ability to think biblically. Therefore, discernment is looking at what a person is doing, has done, what a person does, and determine if their motives and actions are biblical and then react in the proper manner. 
So we are to discern what people are doing. We are to discern that what they do, whether it's right or wrong according to biblical standards, uh, whether it's right or wrong towards us with, within biblical standards. So when we're, we're talking about this, we are to discern those things and then we are to react in the proper manner. But how then are we to react? So Jesus gives us actually two ways that we can react here um, and then actually pulls one of them away. Isn't that fun? So it makes it even easier for us. All right. So he says here in verse 37, he says, Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. So the same layout again is judge not, and you will not be judged. He says, condemn not. So if you condemn, then you'll be condemned. All right, and then that's normal, right? We see that all the time. If you if you say something condemning to someone, well, they turn around and say something condemning to you, don't they? It's just kind of how it goes. How you're judged, you're going to be judged. But Jesus says, "Listen, we're not to condemn. That's not our place. That's not what we're supposed to do, because to condemn literally means this: means that you are the judge, the jury, and the executioner all together in one. You are the one that says." what the problem is, and, and, and to do that. And, and this is not what God wants. But if you do, if you do condemn, remember that you will be condemned. This is not talking about our eternal state. This is talking about with one another. This is talking about how we are to treat one another. But Jesus says this, listen, you are to forgive. So you are to discern what is right or wrong. And if someone, does, if someone wrongs you, you are to look at that through the lens of grace and mercy. And he says that they've done something wrong. He says, then you must show them mercy and grace. Listen now. You must show them mercy and grace and let God take care of the rest. That's where we struggle, right? Sometimes God's not on our timetable, is he? Right? And we are to show mercy and grace and let God take care of the rest. It's called a spirit, having a spirit of forgiveness. And so Jesus explains even more. He says, listen, I want you to really understand this idea of letting me take care of it. So I'm going to give you something more in this. In verse number 38, he goes on and says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, unfortunately, this verse gets pulled out of context many times and is used for material things and says that God's going to bless you with material possessions and stuff like that. And although God does bless us with material things, that's not the context here. The context is mercy and grace. And so what he's saying here is that if you give mercy and grace and you offer forgiveness for someone that has wronged you and you let me take care of it, then I will take care of it. You see, we have a problem with this. We struggle with this. I struggle with this. You struggle with this, especially in the area of forgiveness. If someone does something wrong to you, Remember we talked about the enemy being mean to us last week and the godly love we're supposed to, supposed to show. And we struggle with that. And Why do we struggle with that? Because we're worried we're going to get the short end of the stick. Right? So the reality is, is that we, we are leery to forgive. We are leery to give mercy and grace. We're leery to do this because they might not reciprocate with mercy and grace back to us. As I said, we might get the short end of the stick. They might be mean to us. They might still treat us wrong. We might give them mercy. We might give them grace. We might give them forgiveness. And still they're mean and hateful to us. And so what Jesus says here is that you give. You give. And it will be given back to you. But it doesn't necessarily mean it will be given back to you by the person you give it 
too. Jesus gives this benefit and says, the second part of this verse comes in and Jesus says, when you give as you're supposed to, when you give mercy, when you give grace, when you give forgiveness the way that you're supposed to, I will make sure that grace and mercy and forgiveness are given back to you in portions greater than you have ever imagined. I will make sure that it's taken care of. I will make sure that it will overflow. And so we are to judge. Which means that we are to discern what is right or what is wrong. And a person that does right and does wrong, we're to show them through grace and mercy if they do something wrong or they do something wrong to us and then we are to forgive. And so Jesus moves on with this thought here. And I think that as he's giving this lesson, he's already kind of nailed the Pharisees a little bit. I think, remember, he's preaching to a huge crowd. I think he kind of gathers and looks around the crowd and goes, where are my Pharisee buddies at, right? Where's my, pa- oh, there they are, over there. And I think he kind of looks at them and, and the scripture says, and he gives a parable and I think he goes, kind of looking at them, can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully uh, trained will be like his teachers. Why does he do this? Why does he look at the Pharisees? Well, the Pharisees obviously were the spiritual leaders of that day. And these were the ones who were judging people improperly. And they, were, uh, they had the censorious, hypocritical, and self-righteous judgment. And so what Jesus is saying here, and he's making a point to the Pharisees, but he's also making a point to us. And listen now, the point is this. Every follower of Jesus, are you, are you listening? Every follower of Jesus is also a leader. Every follower of Jesus leads someone else, whether you know it or not. The way that you act, the way that you react is going to show others how you are to act or react or how you're not to act or react. For example, as followers of Jesus, if, if you have someone in your life that treats you wrong, that does something wrong, and you discern they do something wrong, and you give them mercy, you give them grace, you give them forgiveness, and you act the right way, and you do what, what God has called us to do, then another follower of Jesus sees that and says, hmm, it is possible I can do the same thing with someone in my life. Or look at their testimony, look at what they did, look how God is working in their life. But as a follower of Jesus, if you decide to be censorious and hypocritical and self-judgmental or self-righteous there and you treat another person wrong, well, then you might have another believer say, oh, man, well, they did that. and they're, I, I think I could do the same thing. I think I can act the same way. I can do what I, what I need to do. Or, or, or maybe they become judgmental with you. Or, or let me go this farther. Maybe it's not somebody in the church. But let me ask you this question. How many of you have people out in your neighborhoods and where you live that, that know you're a believer? How many of you have ever shared that, yeah, I, I go to Marquette Community Church. I, 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 know, I know God is my Lord and Savior. Maybe you witnessed to him, maybe you didn't, but, 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 but they know. Guess what? They're watching you. Might as well have a big target on your back because they're paying attention, Right? I said in the first service, they're out there with binoculars. I think I scared some of the people. It's figurative. Not, not, <laughs> okay. All right. But, but the reality is this, is that if, you're, if you claim to be a follower of Jesus, 
It's so amazing to me. It's so interesting. Uh, the world kind of has a grasp on how we're supposed to live better than we're, we have a grasp sometimes, don't they? But they use it to judge us. They use it to watch us. They use, us, use it to, to, to tear us down. And what he's saying here is that can a blind man lead a blind man? No. If you're doing what, what you're not supposed to be doing, if you're acting, judging in the way you're not to, you're going to lead someone else to do the same thing. Uh, a disciple is not any higher than his teacher. What his teacher teaches uh, him, the disciple is going to learn. The point is that Jesus is making is that every follower of Jesus, listen now, must know proper discernment and how to react with grace and mercy because your actions are training others. Especially, I didn't give you this group, let me give you this group, you ready? Teenagers and young children. The next generation. How many of you know just like that hypocritical judgment that I had, actions speak a lot louder than words do, don't they? And so the reality is, is that Jesus says, listen, as a follower of me, you are to discern and you are to show grace and mercy and to forgive through that discernment, not only because it's right in what you're supposed to be doing as a follower, but because people are watching you, because you are representing me, because you are also leading others in what they're supposed to do. They're, you're teaching others how to act and how to react. As a matter of fact, Andy Stanley gives this definition of a great church, and I really, really like it in reference to this uh, in training the next generation. He, he says this, now obviously the church is the people, not, not the building. He says the definition of a great church is people who love Jesus, followers of Jesus, who love Jesus, who do what he says, people who love like Jesus. The great church is people who love like Jesus, who discern, who show mercy, show grace, show forgiveness. And number three are people who have a plan to ensure that the next generation loves and loves like Jesus. We have another generation coming up. Have you ever heard it said there were only one generation for Christianity to be extinct? Well, the only reason why Christianity becomes extinct is because the former generation doesn't do what they're supposed to do. Because the next generation behind us, the generation that's following us, the generation that's, that's looking at us is looking for us to lead to act and react the way that we're supposed to. And if we don't act and react the way we're supposed to, no matter by what, they, what we say, they will follow those actions and those reactions. So every follower of Jesus is a leader. As you follow Jesus, you lead others into following Jesus. As you don't follow Jesus, you lead others away from Jesus. So as a follower of Jesus with the right heart attitude, with godly love, we are to discern what is right and wrong. We are to judge what is right and wrong. And, and we are to show mercy and grace and forgiveness when things are done to us and in all of those situations. But Jesus now kind of comes to the end of this and kind of says, okay, I, I brought this to the end because I want to emphasize this point. How many of you have ever listened to Paul Harvey? Remember the rest of the story, right? Okay, end of the day, to come to the rest of the story, he left this out to the very, very end. Jesus brought us to this point because he wants to give us this key. He's like, this is the key that makes this work. You have to understand this. So as a follower of Jesus, this is what you are to be. But here's the key in how it works. And he says this, verse 41, why do you, 
see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. Now, we read that, and as we, especially with the word hypocrite in it, we read that and we think, uh, that's, that's kind of harsh. But I think Jesus said this to be funny. I think Jesus was actually, so, so I think Jesus has a sense of humor here. I, th- I don't think we think of Jesus with a sense of humor, but he did have a sense of humor. And I think he's saying this uh, because it's kind of an observe, uh, absurd statement. How many of you have ever helped somebody get something out of someone's eye, right? What do you do? You, you, you get, you cut, moms, you know, you know this, right? Your kids got, buy something in my eye. What do you do? You pull down that, that lid and, and you're, I mean, you're face in, right? You're all the way in there. You're looking what's going on. Dads, we just kind of pull down and go, Pff. right? Now you're all right. Go play. No problem. But moms, moms, we're looking in there. So look up, look to the side, look down. You know you've all said that, right? To, to, your, to your kid or to someone else. And you're trying to find that little speck and, and you're trying to pour water and help out. But you're trying to do that. Jesus says, how are you going to help the person with a speck in their eye, and you got a log coming out of your eye, right? I mean, you kill the kid. Come here, right? Kid comes up, you smack him upside the head with the, with, I, I, that's what he's saying. He's like, you've got this big, huge, you can't see anything. You've got this huge problem in your, in your eye sticking out there, and you want to lean in and look into the eye of the other, other person to try to help them. You're going to kill them in the process. You can't do it. And I think Jesus picked up a stick, just like it wasn't this nice, but I think he picked up a stick. I think he, he showed it to them. He said, he said, look at how silly this is. This is ridiculous. You want to help someone else? You want to show them the problem in your life when you've got all this sin in your life? And what is Jesus' point? We recognize it. We understand it. Jesus is saying, listen, you can't discern what is right. You can't help others in what's going on until you take care of yourself first. And this is common sense. We hear this all over the place. I mean, how many of you have ever traveled in an airplane? Remember they go through all those, uh, those rules that we never listen to and they tell us exactly what we're supposed to do? Well, I listened once, and this is what they said. When that oxygen mask comes down, it says, put it on yourself first. Why? Well, if you're passed out, you can't help anybody, right? you got to put it on yourself first, get the oxygen going there, and then put it on your kid or put it onto the screaming person next to you or whatever uh, it might be there, right? Well, listen, how can we show proper discernment? How can we show grace and mercy? How can we help somebody in their life when we have got sin in our life? And the reality is this is so humbling. The whole idea of this is the humble. Listen, we're all sinners. We're all in the same boat. We're all going the same direction. We all deal with the same things. I'm not better than you. You're not better than me. And the reality is is that when we recognize and take care of our own sin and what Jesus does in our life with our own sin, we're better prepared to help someone else in their life as well where it's easier to show mercy and grace because Jesus has shown us mercy and grace in our life through the sin that we've had in our life I've sat down with many people in my office who've come to me struggling with things in their life and you know what I've had the same struggles as they have 
And you know how comforting it is to tell someone, I've struggled with that, and I've, I've dealt with that, that sin in my life, and I've sought forgiveness, and this is how I've overcome it, and this is how this can help you, and maybe if you do this, this, this will help you, and, and so forth. But you know what I have to do? I have to humble myself. I didn't say this in the first, but I'm thinking about this right now. In the first, have you ever known a pastor to get a big head? Right? Have you ever known a pastor? No, I'm, I'm being serious. Have you ever known a pastor that walks around like, you know what? I never do anything wrong. I don't think that person can ever help anybody, <laughs> to be quite honest. Because I'm a sinner saved by grace. That's all I am. And because of that, I have to come to God continually, and I have to seek His mercy, and I have to seek His grace, and He pours that out on me and that's the mercy and grace and the discernment that we have that we're to show to others that when they wrong us we immediately show grace we immediately show mercy we immediately show forgiveness that if they especially as another follower of Jesus Christ have chosen to do something wrong in that discernment we can come to them with grace and and with mercy and to help them in those areas that when we are wronged that we can be examples as leaders and show how we are to show mercy and grace and forgiveness so Jesus says that we as a follower of Jesus Christ, that we are to not be hypocritical. We are to take care and recognize the sins that are in our lives. And once and only once those are taken care of, then we can discern and help others and we can offer forgiveness. And so as we've come to this point in this message, we see that Jesus says, listen, if you're a follower of me, then you need to have the right attitude. And once you have the right attitude, then you need to have godly love that's grace-given. And a result of that grace is that you're going to judge others, you're going to discern, but when you discern, you show them mercy, you show them grace, and you show them forgiveness if they have wronged you. And so the result of being a follower of Jesus Christ that has the right heart attitude and has godly love is this, and the last thing I want to give you today is that a a Jesus follower must have merciful discernment. And in that merciful, I'm, I'm including everything that we talked about, the merciful discernment. Be merciful as your Father has been merciful. Would you stand with me in God's house today? Father God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. And Lord, help us now to be the followers that you have called us to be to be the discerners that you have called us to be, to show grace, mercy, and forgiveness as you have shown grace, mercy, and forgiveness to us. And let us be the examples and the leaders that you've called us to be, I pray. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord bless you. Have a wonderful week.